All right, good morning, everyone. It's, uh, of course, an incredible zchus to be able to be here with all of you, to be able to learn together, to grow together, Amir Hashem. And for this last class of this semester, we're going to, Amir Hashem, loop back to Sefer Tehillim. Over the last couple of weeks, we spent two weeks on Hanukkah, and then last week on Asara Beteves. But being that, again, this is our last class for the semester, I think it behooves us to at least close out with a Shiran Sefer Tehillim. And the Mirza Hashem, we are also going to, cap- to complete Kapitel Aleph. So Baruch Hashem, this will be our eighth Shir on this Kapitel. And although we didn't necessarily cover an incredible amount of ground throughout, you know, Sefer Tehillim, I think we would all agree that the lessons, the ideas expressed in Sefer Tehillim are incredibly profound and really have given us an incredible amount of life instruction. So I'd like to actually draw your attention this morning to the last Pasek in the capital. So this is in Perak Aleph, Pasek Vav. And the Pasek says, Ki Hashem derech tzadikim v'derech rishoim toved. So the Pasek literally says, For Hashem knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked shall perish. So what I was intrigued by when I was learning this particular Pasek was the use of the Lashon of Derech. The use of the Lashon ultimately, again, of the pathway. Because Hashem knows the path of the Tzadikim, but the path of the wicked will be lost. And it intrigued me, what is this derech tzadikim? What is this pathway of the righteous to which David HaMelech refers? So we find, I just want to point out that we do in fact find the word derech many times throughout Sefer Tehillim. And the truth is at different times, at different times, remember we, we began the capital by talking about derech chatoim. And many times when David HaMelech is describing the path of the righteous, the path of the righteous doesn't necessarily just have to mean one thing. The path of the righteous can mean many different things or can mean many different things at many different times. But at least on a basic level, what is David HaMelech referring to when he speaks about the derech tzaddikim, the path of the righteous? So if you take a look at number three, the Malbim says something very beautiful. Actually, if you skip down, I didn't even have to put the whole source on here. But if you take a look in the middle of source number three, three lines in right after the paragraph. So the Malbim writes, V'hine derech ha-tzadikim shedarachim al-mahalach ha-shlimus so this this phrase of the Malbim, I thought was so incredibly dramatic and so incredibly beautiful that the derech of the tzaddikim is the derech, is the path you take a ma'alach hashlemos. It's the pathway to completion. A pathway to completion. What shlemos? See, sometimes we erroneously translate shlemos as Perfection. But of course, remember, perfection is not really part of the human lexicon because perfection is an element, a dynamic, an attribute of the Ribbono Shalom, not of us. So when, so when we speak about Shlemos, we really speak about a sense of completion. Now you'll say to yourself, aren't completion and perfection synonymous? And of course, the answer is no. Something that is perfect means without flaw. Something that is complete 
represents something that is actualizing its potential, something that is in full kinetic form, something that is complete may not be perfect, although, of course, something that is perfect is always complete. So this Malbim really grabbed me because here you have a definition. What is the Derech HaTzadikim? The Derech, the pathway of the righteous, is the pathway of life which leads one to a sense of shleimus, to a sense of completion. So let's talk about this for just a moment. We've spoken about this concept many times throughout our time learning Sefer Tehillim, that if there's one thing that all of us are looking for, it's shleimus. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for shleimus. I'm looking for a sense of completion. I want to feel complete in life. And the truth is, this is not something uniquely Jewish. Everyone, every human being is looking for a sense of shleimus for one simple reason. We start out with a sense of shleimus. We end with a sense of shleimus. So for example, when before we come into this world, when the neshama resides with the ribano shalolam in the celestial sphere, the neshama has an incredible sense of shleimus. And that's why there's an element that the neshama is resistant to go ahead and to go ahead and come down to this world because why would an neshama that is complete want to come down to a world in which it is going to become incomplete? And then the hope is that when we leave this world after 120, that we've achieved the level of shleimos as well. So ironically, I'm sorry, let me just shut down my email. So ironically, ironically, we begin with shleimos and we end with shleimos it's just that interesting 120 years in between in which we struggle to find a sense of completion. And, and this is incredibly important because people, everyone, and I really think everyone, every human being is on a quest for shleimus, on a quest to feel complete because inside of me, I feel like something is lacking. Inside of me, I feel like something is missing. And so we all embark on this quest to become shalim, to become complete. The only variable is where you think you're going to find your shleimus. And this becomes something very interesting because you see throughout life that people look for fulfillment in all the wrong places, as they say. Meaning some people look for love in all the wrong places, right? As the famous adage goes, other people go ahead and look for shleimus in all the wrong places. So this is so, and this is incredibly important because you see people who go out and they think, oh, my sense of completion, my completion is going to come with money or with acquisitions. And then Emir Tzasha, maybe there's Zoha to have all of that money, all of those acquisitions. And yet still, there's a sense of, there's a sense of, there's a lack of fulfillment. You know, you see this sometimes, it's very interesting. I've observed this over the years. Even when people do work with their home or do work on their home. So, you know, sometimes a person talks about they're putting in a new kitchen and a person speaks about that new kitchen as if it is like Gan Eden, as if it is the elixir, you know, for all of life's woes. And the way they talk about it, I hear people talk about their kitchen in more glowing terms than they speak about their children. And they speak about, again, and the island, and it's going to be made of, I don't know if the kasher, it's for Pesach, and 14 dishwashers, and this, and that, and it's going to be incredible. And look, 
Obviously, having a beautiful kitchen and having a beautiful home is great. We should all be Zoha. But deep down, what people don't realize is when you speak in such glowing terms about countertops and appliances, deep down, what you're really saying is, I yearn to be fulfilled. And for some strange reason, I think it's this kitchen that's going to like top me off. I think it's this kitchen that's going to give me what I want. Now, a new kitchen could give you many things in life, just like a new car could give you many things in life. A beautiful vacation could give you many things in life. A nice house could give you many things in life. Anything material could give you many things in life. The one thing it won't give you is shlemos. The one thing it won't give you is fulfillment. It could give you joy. It could give you, make your life a little bit easier. It could take away some of the stress, but it will not give you shlemos. It will not give you a sense of completion. And this is incredibly important because some of us consciously, some of us, well, I should say differently, all of us are searching for shlemos. That's ultimately, again, what David HaMelech is saying. Ki Hashem derech tzadikim. Hashem knows, and again, as the Mesudas David and the Malbim also point out, the, the wording of Hashem knows, ki Hashem, means that God attaches a certain heightened level of divine providence to the derech of tzaddikim, to the derech, to the path in life that is going to lead me to shlemos. So the great challenge in life is, what is your pathway to shlemos? The derech ha tzaddikim, or the path of the righteous that David HaMelech is referring to over here in Kapitel Aleph is the path in life which will lead you to a sense of completion. What is that path? And now, dramatically, I think we would all agree that at the end of the day, using this definition, there's not, one, there's not really one definition for this path. In other words, we each achieve a feeling of shlemos, a feeling of completion in different ways. And this is incredibly important. You know, some people, some people find their derech and shleimos through chesed. Some people find their derech and shleimos, their pathway to completion in learning. Some people find their derech shleimos in the family that they raise. Some people find their derech shleimos, you know, in, in, in their careers, because a person has a career that's very meaningful. Maybe that's, people find shleimos in different ways. But ultimately, again, what David HaMelech is pointing out over here is that the derech tzaddikim is the path to your personalistic completion. Conversely, you see what's interesting is we often think that derech rishaim, the pathway of the wicked, what does that refer to? So often when we think about pathway of wicked, we kind of associate that with sin. But based on what we're understanding now, David HaMelech is telling us, no, the derech rishaim, the path of the wicked is not sin. The path of the wicked is pretty much any path that you fool yourself into thinking will give you shlemos, will give you completion, but doesn't give you completion. In other words, the pathway of the derech risham, the path of the wicked, need not be paved with sin. The path of the wicked is just a path that's just not going to get you ultimately where you really want to go. It's not going to endow you with a sense of life completion. And this is incredibly important because isn't this what we have to think about each and every day? You know, I, 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 I often found this, you know, it's, it's, 
last week, or actually up until Shabbos, my family was in quarantine. So, you know, I spent a lot of time at home, which hence I apologize for the our, our internet disruptions during last week's year. That was, uh, I was having home internet problems. Um, but you know, I spent a lot of time sitting in my study and my study like looks out in, into my backyard, which is very serene, nice to look out at the backyard, at the trees. And it's amazing, quarantine gives you a lot of time for thinking. And, you know, you see, it's amazing, like, because the way just my backyard is situated is my house backs up onto, onto Park Heights. And so I could see over the fence, you know, you see traffic going by. And it's an amazing thing to see the world kind, I don't mean to sound dramatic, to see life passing you by, right? Everybody's doing your thing. You're stuck inside. You're stuck inside. And like you wonder, like, wow, where, like, where's everybody going? It's interesting. You know, normally you're part of the traffic, but when you're not part of the traffic and you see everybody moving, where's everybody going? And then you realize that's not the question I should be asking myself because where everybody is going is totally irrelevant. There's only one question of relevance, which is, where am I going? Where, where, where am I going in life? Like, what am I doing? What is my derech? What is my path? And I know, and the question is, if once I identify that path, is that really the right path? Is the path that I'm on, I know I've been on it for a while, but is that the path that the derech tzaddikim? Is that the path of shleimus? Is that the path of completion? Is that the path that's going to lead me to a life of happiness? And when I say happiness, you know, Judaically, happiness is not always defined by a smile on your face. Happiness is defined by a sense of completion, a sense of fulfillment, a sense of purpose. Where am I going? Where, where, where am I going? And I think that very often we don't ask ourselves this question enough. I think we get kind of on a trajectory in life. We get on a path and we just start moving and the traffic starts flowing. We just keep going, 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 you're going without ever taking a step back and asking myself, which path am I on? Am I on the derech tzaddikim or am I on the derech rishayim? Right? And by the way, if you notice, by the way, in David Amalek's worldview, is only one of two paths, right? Sometimes the person might return to say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm on neither. I'm not on the Derech Tzadikim. I'm not on the Derech Hashem. I'm kind of on the shoulder. I'm on the shoulder, right? I've pulled over. I've got my hazard lights on. It doesn't work that way in life. There are only two paths and you have to be on one of them. So either I'm on the Derech Tzadikim, which is the path that is going to lead to life fulfillment, or I'm on the other path which is the Derech Rishon, which need not be a sinful path, need not be a terrible path, but it's just a path that's not going to lead me to any type of real life fulfillment. Which path am I on? Which path am I on? And, and I think, I, I'll tell you, like I was very overwhelmed. I was very overwhelmed by this question that I started asking myself. So Baruch Hashem, I have an iPhone, which means I could very easily distract myself and don't have to think about deep things for too long without being able to escape to something else. But all kidding aside, that's what most of us do when confronted with very heavy questions that really speak to the nature and essence of our life. We just escape. And I'll tell you the truth. It's something I'm still struggling with. I'm struggling with it a lot because it's hard to identify a which path I'm on. And then even if I identify, if I'm able to identify this is the path that I'm on, is it the Derech Tzadikim? Is it the Derech of Shlemus? Is it the path where if I stay on it, I'm going to really lead a fulfilling, meaningful, self-actualizing life? 
But I want to kind of globalize this conversation a little bit more. Because I think David Amalek, as he often does, kind of gives us definitions. But then it's up to us to take the definitions and further explore. So now once I know that, and, and, and it's, it's very striking the way David Amalek ends this capital. So, Hashem Sadikin. So Hashem knows. Hashem is seeing the incredible part about the Ribbono Shalom is, you know, you, you know how you ever have one of those moments with your pet, with your children, where you see your child making the wrong decision. They're, they're, it's, it's so clear that they're just making the wrong decision. But yet it's amazing. They're so filled with youthful wisdom, right? That they are so confident that what they're doing is so correct. And every parent knows when your kids are young, you intervene and you prevent them from making the bad decision. As your children get older, so part of proper parenting is recognizing that sometimes you have to take a step back. And even though you know you're right, you know you're right. I don't mean like you know you're right, like people who always know they're right. I mean like I really know that I'm right. I know that I'm right. And I know that I should just tell my child, I love you, but you're making a big mistake. This is foolish. You're going to regret it. I'm your mother. I'm your father. Listen to me. So there are parents who perpetually do that and therefore, and thereby alienate their children. But most of us know that at a certain point in time, you have to take a step back and you let your kids make their own mistakes. And at some point in time, it usually occurs when like they're 40 and above, they come back to you and say, oh, wow, you know, you were really smart. It's incredible how smart you are. And why didn't you intervene more often, right? That's the best part, right? Why, why didn't you tell me? You saw I was going to make the mistake. Why didn't you tell me? And then again, you just smile and you nod your head and tell you, I love you and you're so wonderful when you have many other things you'd like to say. But again, as appropriate parenting requires, sometimes you just have to hold back. So can you imagine how the Ribbono Shalom feels? The devotion looks at me every single day. And what is he doing? He's, he's turning his head sides like, I can't believe it. I can't, I can't believe he's doing this. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. He knows better. He knows better. First of all, he did tshuva for this and he's doing this again. And he knows the, the right path is right there. Hashem knows. But Hashem, like a good parent, also gives us free choice. He gives us free choice. And hopefully, hopefully, he has armed us with the right tools to be able to choose the right derech. But I'll show you something very interesting just about this derech tzadikim. So now again, according to the Malbim, now we have a definition. And derech tzadikim ultimately means, derech tzadikim ultimately means the pathway to shlemos, the pathway to completion. If you take a look at number four, on your sheet, I'll show you something amazing, and, and this to me is a, is a very moving exchange. <coughs> excuse me, between Yaakov and Yosef. So remember, in this week's parsha, Yaakov Avinu is on his deathbed. Sorry, Yaakov Avinu is on his deathbed, and and as a result, he calls in Yosef, and this is where the entire episode of Ephraim and Menashe occurs. And Yaakov essentially makes Ephraim and Menashe into two of the Shvatim of Klal Yisrael. If you skip down to the end of number four, so Yaakov Avinu says to Yosef, Vani, bivo, bivo mi padanaram. 
when I came from Padanaram, from the house of Lavan. So, So, remember again, remember, so Yaakov Avinu goes ahead and says to Yosef, you know, when I was coming back from Lavan's house, so Rachel, your mother died, died, quick, died, um, what's the word? Suddenly. She died suddenly. And as a result, what happens? I went ahead and I buried her on the road. I buried her on the road to Efrat, which is outside of Beis Lechem. So this is interesting. And the commentaries try to understand why is it that Yaakov Avinu is bringing this up now. So we know, because remember, Yaakov Avinu in this same, in, in this same conversation asks Yosef to bring his body back to Eretz Kinan and to bury him in Ma'ara Samach in Hebron. So, so, so understand the dynamic over here. So Yaakov Avinu is asking Yosef, take me to our ancestral burial plot. That's where my grandparents are buried. That's where my mother and father are buried. That's where I'm going to be buried. That's where ultimately Leah is buried. So bury me in Ma'ara Samach And then he says, you know, when your mother died, she died so suddenly almost as if I had no choice but to go ahead and bury her by the side of the road. So why is Yaakov bringing this up? So if you take a look at number five, so Rashi says, Number five, first line, So ultimately, again, Yaakov Avinu says to Yosef, I know, now this is all an unspoken conversation. Yaakovino says to Yosef, I know you probably think it's strange that I'm asking you to bury me in Marasamach to bury me in Hebron, even though I seemingly did not give your mother that same covet. That same covet. And where did I bury your mother? See, you have to understand, do you ever see the... Um, the old paintings and the old pictures of Kever Rachel. You know, now, soon to go to Kever Rachel. So you go to Kever Rachel, Kever Rachel lives in the middle of a city, right? I mean, now, unfortunately, Kever Rachel is a, is a fortress, is a fortress, but Kever Rachel is in the middle of habitation, right? You drive right out of Yerushalayim and pretty much you're by Kever Rachel. And Beislechem, so understand, if you ever see the older pictures or paintings of Kever Rachel, it was a stone structure in the middle of nowhere in the middle of nowhere. So Yaakov Inu says to Yosef, I buried your mother in the middle of nowhere, on the side of the road. Now, I, I didn't even bring her body into Beis Lechem, into Beis Lechem. And by the way, forget about bringing her to, to Hebron, to Marasamach Peilah. I didn't even bring her into the city proper, into Beis Lechem. I just buried her by the side of the road. So Rashi says over here, if you continue in number five, Rashi says, Ve'ek bereha sham, it's in number five, two, four, five lines down. And I didn't bring her, I didn't bring her even into, into Beis Lechem, to bring her into Eretz Kinan. And Yaakov says to Yosef, I know that you're upset at me. I know you're upset at me because I know that you think it's a chutzpah. Here, you want me to bring your body to Hebron. You want me to bring your body to Marasa And Yosef, I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking in your heart, you didn't even have the decency to bury my mother 
in a regular place. You just buried her by the side of the road. Avalda. So Yaakov Avinu then goes on and says to Yosef, Know that I buried your mother in a very strategic place. So Yaakovinu says to Yosef something amazing. He says, I know. It looks like to you, I buried your mother in the middle of nowhere. But I want you to know that although it looks like the middle of nowhere now, it's going to be a pretty significant somewhere very shortly. Because when the base Hamikdash was destroyed, this is talking about by the first base Hamikdash, excuse me, by, the, by both Bate Mikdash, and ultimately again, the Jews are led out into exile. The path they would take out into exile will be past Keverachal. And your mother will rise from the grave and she will supplicate on behalf of her children to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And she will say, And it is the cries of Rachel Imenu that will guarantee the restoration of Klal Yisrael. It is the cries of your mother that will guarantee the amelioration of, of the suffering of the Jewish people. In fact, the Zohar writes that everyone knows that when we were led out of Eretz Yisrael, we passed by Keva Rachel. But the Zohar writes actually very beautifully that what we don't realize is when HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings us back to Eretz Yisrael, we will pass by Keva Rachel as well. So the same Mama Rachel, the same Keva Rachel, the same Rachel Imenu, who supplicated for us when we left Eretz Yisrael, will be the same one, the first one who will be there to embrace us when we come back to Eretz Yisrael. So Yaakov Avinu says to Yosef, I know you're upset at me. And you feel maybe it's a shtekel chutzbah. Because here, I'm asking you to go ahead and bury me in Eretz Yisrael. Bury me, bury me in Marasa in Hebron, in our ancestral homeland. And you think to yourself, a chutzbah. My father didn't have the dignity to do this for my mother. Didn't have the respect to do this for my mother. And now he's asking me to bury me in Eretz Yisrael. So Yaakov says to Yosef, please. Even though she died on the way, I buried her on the road, but I buried her on the road so that she could always be near her children. So that when her children need her most, when they are being led out in shackles of broken bodies and broken spirits, that Rachel Rachel will rise from the grave and she will daven on behalf of her children. So according to Rashi, according to Rashi, Yaakov Avinu brings up the death and anonymous burial of Rachel Imenu because ultimately, again, he feels that Yosef feels that his request to be buried with the rest of the matriarchs and patriarchs in Maras Machpelah in Hebron is inappropriate. And so Yaakov addresses this. But if you take a look at number six, the Svarno says something a little bit different. And the Svarno says something amazing. He says, <clears throat> he says, Mesa alai Rachel. So Yaakov Avinu says to Yosef, you know, Rachel, now Mesalai Rachel literally means Rachel died on me. So Rashi, so the Svarna points out, Yisha Amram Zal, Ein Isha Mesa Elalabailah, that a wife, the loss of a wife is felt most acutely by her husband. In general, Chazal understand that the loss that is most acutely felt in this world is the loss of a spouse, which is actually, which is actually quite amazing. 
because one would have thought, one would have thought that the loss that is most acutely felt is the loss of a child, as that's a disruption in the natural order of the world. But in the eyes of Chazal, the loss that leaves the greatest amount of lingering pain is the loss of a spouse, because a spouse is your life partner. A spouse is someone who you build a life with, you build a mishpacha with, and when that person is no longer here, there's a void, there's a loss that is that is acute, and that never goes away. So the Svarna goes on, he says, I just want to point out, you know, in the world of loss, Chazal, we're not trying to say one loss is worse than this loss. Every loss is unique, and every loss is traumatic, and every loss is tragic. And people handle loss in different ways. So I want to be clear, Chazal are not Chazal trying to say, this hurts more, this hurts less. They're talking about the dynamic of loss, that when you lose a life partner, and now when you have to face life alone, the dynamic of that loss is different. So if you look at the second line in number six, Tekev Kishanasati me osamakom, Shahaya hadavar hakel yisparach elai ba'odi, so Yaakov Avinu was telling Yosef, you know, your mother died suddenly. And yes, I, I buried her there by the side of the road. So you have to understand something. Today, for us, Kevarachal is a destination. But Yaakov Avinu was telling Yosef, I buried your mother in the middle of nowhere. It was literally in the middle of nowhere. So look what he writes. The Svarno, number six. So Yaakov Avinu says to Yosef, and this is incredible, says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I buried your mother on the side of the road. I'm sorry. Because I didn't even, I, I couldn't even find the strength. I should have brought her, I should have brought her to Hebron. I should have brought her for burial in Marasa Machpelah. That's what I should have done. And if for some reason, because remember, anyone who's ever traveled from Kever Rachel to Marasa Machpelah, it's not such a long trip. It's not such a long trip from Beis Lechem to, uh, to Hebron. So I should have brought her there. Or at least, at least, I should have brought her into Beis Lechem proper. I should have brought her into a city where there was a cemetery and I should have buried her in a more dignified way. But look what Yaakov Avinu writes. The Kolkhaor says, The Kolkach govra alai tirdasi ve evilusi, shalo atzarti koach lo lichalabes hakavaras beis lechem. Yaakov Avinu says, Yosef, you have to understand. I was so overcome with grief and sadness that I had no strength. I had no strength. And I didn't even have the strength to take her into Beis Lechem proper and give her a proper burial. Ve'in Suffolk, Kime'az hayalibi chalal bekirbi. Yaakov says to Yosef, I want you to know that from the moment that your mother died, literally again, my heart was hollowed out from within me. Ve'lo shalat b'od bi yitzahara, ve'nechlash ta'avasi, ve'lo nishar bi'koach laholid banim. And from the time that your mother died, I never had a desire to be with another woman. I never had a desire to have more children. Because when your mother died, a big part of me died along with her. 
So according to this Sfarno, a dramatic exchange between father and son. And I just want to point out just the dramatic difference between the two approaches I just showed you. According to Rashi, Yaakov Avinu's entire plan of bearing Rachel by the side of the road was prophetically inspired. Prophetically inspired, I knew that I had to bury her in what looked like an anonymous grave by the side of the road, because what looked like the middle of nowhere now would become somewhere quite dramatic and important when generations from now, Rachel's children would be led out in chains into the diaspora. And it was important that they walked by the grave of Mama Rachel so that she could rise up and daven for them and cry for them and advocate for them. According to the Svarno, there's nothing prophetic about this. According to the Svarno, Yaakovina says, do you know why I buried your mother by the side of the road? Because I had no koach, I had no strength to take her to the burial place that she really deserved. Rachel, your mother deserved to be buried in Hebron. She deserved to be buried in Marasa Machpelah. She deserved that her final resting place be together with the Avos and Imos. Or at least she deserved entry into Beis Lechem, into a city, and not to be buried in an anonymous grave by the side of the road that no one knows about. But my dear Yaakov, understand when your mother died, I was crushed. I was crushed. And I had no koach. I had no strength. I had no strength. I couldn't do it. I couldn't carry her body to to Chavron, and I couldn't even carry her body inside to Beis Lechem. I couldn't do it. I had no koach. And so therefore the only thing I could do was bury her where she died. To bury her, I buried her on the side of the road because that's where she died. And so I buried her where she died because I had no koach. Why is this incredibly amazing? Because, again, remember, it's the same word. It's the same word. Yaakov Avinu telling Yosef, ultimately, I buried her on the way, just on the road. So perhaps what Yaakov Avinu is also teaching us is an incredible lesson about the derech. Remember, we're trying to figure out, David HaMelech tells us, Hashem knows and He loves the way of the tzaddikim. And what is the way of the tzaddik? Said the Malbim, the way of the tzaddik is the derech of shlemos. The derech, the pathway of personalistic completion. Completion and self-actualization. And isn't that the path that we are looking to find? I'm looking to find the derech tzaddikim. I'm looking to find the derech of shlemos. And now Yaakov teaches us, by the way, if you want that path, that path requires absolute honesty. Absolute honesty. The most important kind of honesty, which is the honesty with one's self. To be honest with myself about who I am, what I am, and what I'm not. You see, in this incredibly moving moment, if you notice, by the way, you ever have a conversation with someone where they unload a whole ton of information to you, almost as if they feel like you need to know this information. And meanwhile, all you saw was like, I was just saying hi. I was just saying good morning. That's all, just seeing how you're doing. And yet, but yet this person unloaded 
Yosef didn't say anything. Right? Yosef, Yosef never brought up his mother. Yaakov asks Yosef, bury me in Canaan. Swear to me that you'll bury me in Machpelah. And what does Yosef do? What does Yosef do? He swears that he will bury his father in Hebron Machpelah. The conversation's over. Well, what's, and it's Yaakov Avinu who launches into this entire conversation about Rachel Imenu. And according to the Svarno, what a dramatic conversation. Yaakov Avinu says, Yosef, my son, you have to understand. And meanwhile, while Yaakov Avinu is saying this, what is Yosef saying? Dad, stop. Stop. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to say this. You don't owe me explanations. You don't owe me any kind of Rashi. You don't have to justify. You're my father. I love you. And I know how much you loved my mother. I know that you don't have to do this. And meanwhile, Yaakov was saying, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I, I have to do this because I have to be honest with myself. This is not about just being honest with you, Yosef. This is about being honest with myself because I feel guilty asking you for something that I did not do for your mother, that I did not do for my beloved Rachel. So I have to do this. Because I have to be honest with myself. I have to be honest. Why didn't I bury my beloved Rachel in Hebron Amaras Machpelah? Why didn't I give her the burial that was rightfully hers? Why didn't I give her her final resting place next to Leah and next to Sarah and next to Chava? Why didn't I give her her resting place there? Why didn't I do that? And Yaakov, I have to be honest. I didn't do it because I couldn't do it. Because I couldn't do it. Yosef, you have to understand, it's not prophecy, right? Rashi has this whole beautiful prophetic tapestry. The Sparta rejects that. Sparta says it, it wasn't prophecy. It wasn't some greater directive or some greater mandate. It wasn't prophetically inspired. I was a broken man. And because I was a broken man, I did not have the koach to do what I should have done. Because I was a broken man, I didn't have the koach to do what I should have done. What an incredibly and dramatic exchange. And what is Yosef saying this entire time? What is Yosef saying? Absolutely nothing. Because Yosef doesn't need an explanation. Yosef doesn't need to understand why his father did the things that he did. Because Yosef knows, you know, Yosef's been through a lot in life. And Yosef knows that you very often don't understand why people do the things that they do, but very often they have good reasons for the things that they do. Yosef knows that more than anyone else. So Yosef never asked for an explanation. But Yaakov Avinu understands that the derech tzadikim, the path towards personalistic shlemus, requires personalistic honesty. Are we really honest with ourselves about who we are and what we are? Don't answer this. I, 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 I don't like to answer this to myself. But am I really honest with who I am and what I am? Am I honest about my faults? Am I honest about the things that I haven't accomplished and the reasons I haven't accomplished them? Am I honest about my shortcomings? Am I honest about my averus? Am I honest about who I really am? Because very often we have two identities. We have the identity and the persona 
we project to the outside world. And then again, when I get home and I take out my personalistic makeup remover, right? And I go ahead and I remove everything. I remove everything. Then there's just me. Then there's just me. Am I honest about who that person is? Or do I hide behind the facade of the image I like to project, even though it's not really me? The derech of shleimos, the derech of tzaddikim, the derech of completion, requires pure and unadulterated honesty. And the truth is, here's the incredible part. You don't necessarily have to be honest about yourself to everyone else. You know, this, this is a very important idea. You know, for example, the Ramam brings down in Hilchas Tshuva, that when you're doing tshuva, we don't believe in publicizing your Averis. Right? In other words, if I'm doing tshuva because I spoke Lashon Hara, or I'm doing tshuva, no, let's even do better. I ate tarfus. I, I ate something not kosher. There's no concept that I should go over to. I should get on a Zoom shear and bark in front of 112 people. I should say, you know what? I just want everyone to know I'm doing tshuva. I ate tarfus last week. It was delicious, but now I regret it and I'm going to do better. There's no such concept like that in tshuva. And not only that, in fact, the Rambam says that's a terrible thing to do because to publicize your Averis means that you're not really embarrassed about them, that you don't really feel bad about them. Tshuva is very personal. When we speak about personalistic honesty here, it doesn't require you to pull a Yaakov Avinu and to start divulging the things that you feel guilty about to others. But rather, again, at the end of the day, personalistic honesty just really requires one person and one person alone. And that's you. Or me. I don't mean you to me, but I mean me for me, you for you. Right? At the end of the day, to just be honest with myself about who I am. What an incredible moment. Yaakovinu was an old man. You know that he never spoke these words before? Rachel died many years before. Right? Remember again, Rachel died at least, at least 40 years earlier. Four decades. Four decades. Yaakov never spoke these words to anyone. And maybe he never spoke these words to himself either. That's possible. But in these final moments of life, Yaakov Avinu understood that if I'm going to walk on the derech tzaddikim, and if I'm going to achieve a level of shleimos in this world before I leave it, I need to be honest with myself about who I am, what I am, and why I've done the things that I've done. To reach a level of shleimos, one requires personalistic honesty. Do we have the courage to be honest with ourselves? Do we have the courage to again take the personalistic makeup remover, to strip away the facade, to strip away the layers, and to be honest with myself about myself? It's not pleasant because all of us have things, realities about ourselves that we ignore or we pretend don't exist, or we just sweep under the rug. And you could do that. You could keep doing that. I could do, people do it for a lifetime, for an entire lifetime. There's only one problem. Then I never reached the David HaMelech's Derech Tzadikim. Because the path of Shlemos, the first step in the path of Shlemos, is personalistic honesty. But there's one more piece. And with this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude the shir. If you take a look at number seven on your sheet... There's a very beautiful Gemara. And I think that this Gemara also helps us to frame the, 
the Derech Sadikim of David Amelech. So this is actually quite beautiful. There's, uh, we're not going to go through the whole Gemara. I'm just going to really take you to the end of it. But Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania says as follows. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania says was was known as one of the wisest of men. So he says, Miyamai lo nitzchani adam. In all of my days, no one ever outsmarted me. Chutz mi isha tinok v'tinokes. Except one time, a woman outsmarted me. One time, a child, a tinok is a male child, a young boy outsmarted me. And one time, a little girl outsmarted me. So it's interesting. Apparently, he was never outsmarted by another man. But he was outsmarted by a woman and by children. Which is which is quite which is quite fascinating. So we're gonna skip the beginning of the story, although it's although it's really great. If you take a look, if you take a look at Tinokmai, it's it's in the Gimara, it's five lines up from the bottom, middle of the line. Tinokmahi. What 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 was the story of the little boy who outsmarted Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananya? So watch this story. Pam Achas Haisi Mahalik Badash. Rabbi Hananya Yoshua ben Hananya says one time I was traveling on the road. And I saw there was a little boy who was standing or was sitting at the crossroads. Now Rabbi Shomachani was traveling. He was looking to get to the city. He didn't know his way around. I said to the boy, Which way to the city? Which way to the city? So he said to me, the little boy, so interestingly enough, the little boy said, well, this path is short but long, but this path is long but short. This little boy said to Rabbi Shobin Hananya. So you can see from this, Rabbi Shobin Hananya said, he thought that the kid was just a kid, right? A little bit confused. So what, so what did Rabbi Yoshua do? So obviously I went, to the, I went on the path that the boy called short and long. Because I figured the kid was just a little bit confused. And so I took the path that he called short so when I got to the city, I saw that this area, this path led me to an area that was, it was right, I wasn't far from the city, but in between me and the city were fields and orchards. And it was during the planting season, so you can't walk across fields and orchards during the planting season. So I went back to the crossroads. I saw the kid again and I said to the kid, Hello, Why did you tell me to go down this path? You told me that the path was short. You told me the path was short, but at the end of the day, I couldn't get into the city because the orchards and the fields were blocking me. Amarli, the little boy said, Did I not also tell you that it was long? It's true. I told you that it was the short path. I told you it was short and long. Right? Short and that it gets you to the city pretty quickly. Long and that you can't actually get into the city. You're going to have to come back around and go all the way back around. Nashakti Aroshav, I kissed the little boy on his head. And I said to him, Ashrechem Yisrael, Shekulchem Chachamim Gidolamatem. Praiseworthy are you, the Jewish people, for you are all wise and all great. Migdulchem Vaad Kitanchem. From your oldest to your youngest. Sir Shoban Hananya understood that the boy was saying something quite profound. L- listen to what the little boy was actually saying. What the boy was saying was there are two paths to the city. One is Kitsara Aruga. It's short in that you can get to the outskirts of the city very quickly. 
but you can't actually get into the city. It, therefore, it's Aruka, it's long, you have to come back and go all the way back around. And then there's another path. That other path is Aruka Ukitsara. It's long, but short. It's long in that it's a longer path, but the longer path is the shortest way to get to your destination, to get to your city. So it's longest, but it's shortest. And I've always found this Gemara to be incredibly profound because I think the words of this Gemara create an incredible metaphor for life. You see, the city represents our desired destination. The city represents where you want to get to in life. There are often two ways to get to your desired destinations, your desired locations. We often try to look for shortcuts. We look for shortcuts. Derech kitzara. What's the shortcut for me to get to my desired destination? But you know, as you get older in life, you discover something very interesting about shortcuts, which is they're not actually that short. Right? And the shortcuts in life to accomplish my goals actually take a lot longer. In life, there are two pathways you can take to get to your ear, to get to your city. There's the derech kitzara aruka, the shortcuts. But all too often in life, the shortcuts take so much longer. And then there's the derech aruka kitzara. There's the long path. But the long path is often the shortest way to get into your desired destination. And this is incredibly important because when David HaMelech describes the derech tzadikim, the path ultimately again of the righteous, the path to Shlemus, there are no shortcuts to Shlemus. There are no shortcuts to the, on the path of the righteous. There are no shortcuts to completion and self-actualization. It's a long journey. It's a long journey. There's no app right? There's no back way in. There's no, you know, ways can't detour you somewhere else. The only way to ultimately travel on the Derech Tzadikim and the only way to reach your desired destination on what the Malbim calls the Derech Shlemos is what Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananya calls the Derech Aruka Kitsara, the shortest path to self-fulfillment and self-actualization is often the longest road. And I think if we bring all of this together, it turns out that in his parting message, in Kapitel Aleph, David HaMelech teaches us something so amazing, something so beautiful, and something so profound. Our goal in life is to travel the Derech Tzadikim. That's our goal. And remember again, we now see the bookends of the Kapitel. Because how did the Kapitel begin? Ashreya Ish. Praiseworthy is the individual, right? We've spent an entire semester on one capital. This is our eighth shear. I mean, our, our, I think is our 11th shear for the semester. But our eighth shear, our eighth shear on capital Aleph. And what was it all about? Ashriya Ish. I just want to be, I want to lead a praiseworthy life. And so how does Dara end the capital? You want to lead a praiseworthy life? Walk on the Derech Tzadikim. That's how you lead a praiseworthy life. And what is that Derech Tzadikim? The Malbim says... That is the pathway towards self-actualization, self to completion, completion. And that's the fundamental question I have to ask myself. And again, I want to be clear, 
the derech hashlemus looks different for each of us. Your path is not my path, and my path is not your path. And what's going to lead to your fulfillment and self-actualization is not what's going to lead to mine. Obviously, there are elements we share in common, and there are tools that we each have that will work for both of us. But that derech is different. So how do you reach that derech? So I want to go a little bit out of order. How do you reach that derech? Well, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanani says, number one, no shortcuts. Number one, no shortcuts. If you really want to travel on the derech, on the derech tzadikim, on the derech of shemus, the derech of completion, ultimately, again, it's a long journey. It's the derech haruka kitzara. If you're a shortcut person, you're never going to find your way into the city, your promised city. You're never going to find your way into the destination. The derech tzadikim is a long arduous journey that takes place each and every day, each and every day. And sometimes you get lost. Sometimes you get lost and you have to find your way back. But one thing is clear, which is there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts to self-actualization and personalistic fulfillment. There are no shortcuts to becoming the best version of yourself. There are no shortcuts to leading a meaningful and fulfilling life. That's step one to Derech Tzadikim. And step two, Yaakov Avinu teaches us. Two great teachers we have today. Rabbi Yosho ben Hananya and Yaakov Avinu. And of course, David HaMelech. And the second lesson that David HaMelech teaches, that, 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 that Yaakov Avinu teaches us, is that the path to Shleimus Aderech Tzadikim requires personalistic honesty. No one likes being personalistically honest. No one likes it. No one enjoys it. No one enjoys taking stock of themselves. No one enjoys being, enjoys being introspective. No one enjoys looking inward. No one enjoys taking a hard look at one's qualities, one's, one's pluses, but also more importantly, one's minuses, one's shorts, one, one shorts, one's shortcomings, one's failings. No one likes it. No one likes it. Because often it's difficult, often it's grueling, and often I have forced to reflect on things that have been broken for many, many, many years. But that is the necessary first step on the derech hashlemos, on the derech tzadikim. And so if we internalize these two lessons, that there are no shortcuts to personal development and self-actualization, and personalistic honesty is the first step on this sacred journey, then we will be zochemir tzashem to travel the derech tzadikim, and we will be Zohemir, so we will be privileged to lead Ashrei Ha'ish lives, to lead praiseworthy lives, lives of accomplishment, lives of self-actualization, and lives of Kiddush Hashem. It has been an incredible privilege to finish out another semester with all of you, and an incredible privilege to be able to le- learn these sacred words of David HaMelech. Meaning, I-, I have to thank all of you because... At the end of the day, I would never really be learning Tehillim like I learned Tehillim if it were not for all of you. And I feel personally that my life is so enriched because of all of you, because of this year, because of the ability to learn Sefer Tehillim. But I think that hopefully we all feel that David HaMelech, you know, when you learn Tehillim, you hear David HaMelech talking to you. Just like Yosef heard his father talking to him, just like the little boy felt the warm kiss of Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya on his head. Every week that we learn Tehillim, we get to hear David HaMelech talking to us, encouraging us, being mechazik us, strengthening us, 
holding our hand as we go down the Derech Tzadikim. To hear David HaMelech's sacred voice for many, many years to come. To internalize his words and become better people with every single capital. I know this semester we only studied one capital, but it was one capital that was like eight capitals. I look forward to continuing the journey next semester and wishing everyone a wonderful rest of the week.